0: Hello, and welcome back to the What The Fab podcast, episode 49. We're getting into 10 things that I've learned over the last 10 years of blogging. I am a little bit late with this episode, but I realized that last month was my 10-year blogversary. I started What The Fab 10 years ago, and I can hardly believe it. That is crazy. It's been a decade of blogging. Obviously, my website has evolved a lot, my brand, my voice, as well as the influencer marketing landscape as a whole. I mean, influencer wasn't even a term when I first started blogging. I remember the first time I heard somebody use the term influencer, and I was like, ooh, (laughs) what a sexy term. And now it's so funny because it's almost kind of like a dirty word. But All that to say, so much has changed and I have learned a lot over the last 10 years. So I am breaking it down, distilling it into my top 10 lessons learned over the last decade of blogging. Before we get into that, if you could take a second to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing. I so, so appreciate it. And then hit subscribe through whatever platform it is that you're listening through and you'll get these episodes queued up ready to go for you each and every week. Okay, let's go ahead and just dive right into these 10 lessons learned. So the first one is to invest in yourself. And so whether that is through courses, or a consultant to help you with strategy, or a mastermind group. Those are just a few of the ways that I've invested in myself and my business over the last few years, but most specifically, and in particular over the last two or three years, once I went full-time, that's when I really started to see some significant growth. And I think that it can be really easy to feel like, oh, I don't want to spend money on things that aren't quote-unquote necessary, but these things actually are necessary if you want to grow and scale your business and for personal growth. When I think about the mastermind group that I joined last year, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but I was In Julie Solomon's mastermind group. And honestly, I mean, was it expensive? Was it a big investment for me? Was it the most I have ever invested in myself and in my business? A hundred percent. But was it worth it? Also, a hundred percent. The things that I learned, not just from Julie, but also from other women in the mastermind group, and that I absorbed and then took and applied to my own personal growth and my business were absolute game changers. So things that I launched, I mean, my SEO course, for example, that would not exist without having been a part of this mastermind group um, and just different like changes and pivots that I made within my business decisions that I made because of this mastermind group. I remember when I was considering joining, I was listening to one of Julie's podcast episodes and she was talking about how you can hustle your way to your first six figures, but But scaling to your first seven figures, you can't just hustle your way to that one. You've got to have the right strategy and systems and people and support in place. Um, And that really, really resonated with me because I felt like, yeah, I hustled my way to my first six figures. And now that I want to grow and scale, I'm like, Uh, I I, I can't like take on more brand campaigns. That's not the way to scale my business. I've already got plenty of those going on. And so if I really want to grow and scale in an intentional way, I need some support. I need some guidance. And so that mastermind was it for me, for sure. Another thing that I invested in when I went full time three and a half years ago was Chloe Digital. So if you listened to episode number 48, it is a conversation between me and Jamila, my consultant from... I'm Chloe Digital and I go into a lot of detail around decisions that I've made within my business because of her advice and support and absolutely Chloe Digital has been so so worth it for me and my brand and my business I mean their consultants are just brilliant and Getting to chat with them every single month and work on my business, not just in my business, like doing the day-to-day, but having a more big picture strategy conversation and then, you know, taking the time to execute that has been really helpful for my business as well. And then investing in courses. I mean, when I started my blog 10 years ago, there really weren't courses on how to be a content creator, an influencer, a blogger, like that wasn't really... A thing. And now there are so many courses available about Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, I have my SEO course, quick plug for that. Like there are so many resources out there. And honestly, if you are able to find the right mentor through through a course that can help get you on the fast track to success rather than floundering around trying to find the right resources on YouTube or Googling things, trying things that don't actually work, but you're just like seeing what sticks that can save you so much time and energy. So investing in yourself that way, and I would say that courses are kind of like the breakthrough <laughs> breakthrough drug if you will to investing in yourself because they usually come at a more affordable price point than like a mastermind or a business coach or a consultant. So definitely super important for growing your blog and your business. Like you're not just a blogger, you're not just an influencer. If this is your business, you are a business owner and you need the right resources and support for that. And when you- you are looking for a course to invest in, I would absolutely recommend doing your research to make sure that that course creator has done what you want to do. I know that sounds a little bit odd, but I was just having a really interesting conversation with a friend and she was telling me about this person on TikTok that I recognize, you probably recognize them too, that shares a lot of digital content strategy advice in her videos. And she recently has come out with this SEO course and it's like a live workshop and it's supposed to be everything you need to know about SEO and how to use that strategy for your content, which by the way, I don't think that is physically possible to pack in everything you need to know about SEO into a one and a half hour workshop. I was super efficient and cut out all of the BS in my course and I believe it's about five five and a half hours long but yeah anyways that's just a little tangent this particular content creator you can use sites like SEM Rush to get an estimate of what people's organic traffic is it's usually it's definitely a lower estimate like I've looked at my own traffic on there I've looked at my friends traffic on there and I know all of our numbers and it's usually off by like 50 000 to 20,000 pages views a month. So it might say that a creator has 150,000 page views, but really in reality, they're getting 200,000. But anyway, it's a ballpark estimate. We looked at hers and hers was 12 page views from Google a month. I'm sorry, but what the fuck are you doing teaching an SEO course if you're getting 12 page views a month? That is actually so misleading. Like clearly they do not have the right SEO strategies in place. Otherwise, they'd be getting a lot more than 12 hits a month from Google. And yeah, like, why are you teaching these quote unquote strategies if they're clearly not even working for you? So definitely do your research when it comes to creating or when it comes to deciding who you are going to be purchasing a course for. And by the way, this is why in my free webinar on SEO, I include not just screenshots of my page views from Google, but like we go into my Google Analytics dashboard live. And And I show you the receipts like we toggle around, we look at it live, because I want people to know like this is working for me. This is the strategy that I've used to grow my blog to 160,000 page views a month. Like I'm not just talking out my ass here. Anyways, total sidebar. But I think that is really, really key and clutch for when you're making those decisions of what to invest in and who to invest in. Same thing goes for if you are joining a mastermind group or looking at hiring a business coach, like what has this? person done and do you hope to achieve something similar? Like you want to learn from somebody that has done what you are trying to do or has accomplished what you were trying to accomplish. I also think sometimes people are scared. I don't know if scared is the right word. Hesitant to invest in a course because they're like, well, what if I already know everything in the course? And I've definitely had that thought, that hesitation too. But I also am like, you know what? If I know that this person is achieving something that I'm not achieving that I want to, I can definitely learn from them. And if there is one big takeaway or game changer that completely changes my strategy for You know, XYZ, whatever topic the course is, then that course is worth it to me. So, for example, I purchased again with Julie Solomon, but years ago, I purchased Pitch It Perfect, which is her kind of like OG signature course all about pitching and negotiating brand deals. And at the time, I was already like pretty proficient at pitching and negotiating deals for myself, but I was like, you know what? She's clearly got some expertise here, and I wanna see, I wanna learn from her, and I wanna see if there are other. Strategies or techniques that I am not doing that I can implement. And yeah, a lot of the things in her course were things that I was already doing. However, there were a couple of things that I learned that were super key. So, one of them was I would only send one follow up email if I didn't hear from somebody after a pitch. And in her course, she recommended sending three follow up emails. So, you send the first pitch and then you send three three follow-ups afterwards. And I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. But let me try that. I was shocked at the amount of responses that I got on that third follow-up email. I never ever would have sent that many follow-ups if I hadn't taken her course. And, you know, within one of those responses, the course had already paid for itself. And then now, anytime that I'm gaining a new brand deal on that third, even the second follow-up, I am just making more revenue in my business because of this one thing that I learned within her course. I am so thrilled to announce that my flagship program and course, Six Figure SEO, is now available, and we've just enrolled a new cohort of students. You can check out my free webinar at whatthefab.com slash webinar. It's called Three Steps to Creating Passive Revenue from Your Blog and how SEO is the secret to a six-figure recurring revenue stream. So in this one hour free masterclass, you'll learn how to take back your time and get off the content creation hamster wheel. I know we all want that. You will learn the five best ways to monetize your website, to create passive revenue, whether you're a blogger, service provider, or sell a physical product. We also get into the top three biggest mistakes that bloggers make on their website when it comes to SEO. Here's a hint. You're probably making them right now, and we'll get into how to fix them, and we get into so much more. We packed so much, just a ton of knowledge into this free webinar, and it'll teach you how I've used SEO to turn my blog into a six-figure recurring revenue stream and how you can do the same. You're going to learn a ton from it. I know that people who have joined the first live webinar learned so much, and like I said, we packed a lot of information in there. You'll also get a taste for what you can expect from my course, Six Figure SEO, plus there may be be a very special offer inside the webinar when you watch it so head on over to whatthefab.com slash webinar sign up and we'll see you there okay let's get back to the show so that was the first lesson. The second one is outsource. Think about what you value your time at and are you doing tasks that are at that value level? So I have a very concrete way, thanks to one of the other coaches in the mastermind group last year, Adrian Dorison, that I use to kind of determine my what I value my time at, what my hourly rate is, and to determine if I am working on the right things within my business. So here's how it goes. My... First, we're looking at how many hours do I want to be working, not just weekly, but annually, so throughout the entire year. So my work week, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I do a four-day work week, so I take Fridays off. It was a little bit different during the launch for the SEO course because I was just straight up in a scramble. It was a lot. So I was definitely working five days a week then, but I am back to those four day work weeks. And so that's around 32 hours a week, you know, plus or minus, just kind of depending on what's going on in my life. And then I also have this vision for myself of being able to take six weeks completely off. It's a little bit gray and blurred because sometimes I'm traveling and it's like, yeah, I'm shooting content that eventually is going to end up on the blog. But eventually I would like to get to a place where I'm able to just take six weeks that are totally, totally off and not being turned into travel blogs or guides. But that's something we're working towards. But anyway, so With those numbers in mind of four-day work weeks and taking six weeks out of the year totally off, that brings me to 1,664 hours annually that I envision myself working. And then you take your goal for your revenue. So my revenue goal is 300K. And so then the math is just 300,000 divided by 1,664. So it's your revenue goal divided by your hours that you want to work all annually. And so that gives me an hourly rate of $180 an hour. So that's what I value my time at. And then I need to think about what are my 180? dollar an hour tasks. Am I working on things that only I can work on? So things like strategy, big picture, longevity of the business, like where is what the fab going in 1 year, 5 years, things like diversifying my revenue streams, things like creating a new course, like only I can be the one building the course and I don't mean like uploading the videos, but I mean like creating the content and like speaking to the camera. There are certain things that only I can do. And that's there are like a million things that I can do and I can do well, but other people can also do them well and for much less than $180 an hour. There are certain things that I have to do, like shooting and being in an Instagram reel for a brand, but can I have someone else? edit it for a much lower hourly rate? Absolutely, yes, I can. Can I have a virtual assistant that is helping me with my inbox, booking travel? I could go on and on, but there are so many different tasks that I can pay someone $25 an hour, $30 an hour, $60 an hour to help me with. And so thinking about it in those terms has been really, really helpful for me. And again, kind of similar with like the investing in yourself lesson, I think that we can oftentimes be like, oh, well, I shouldn't pay someone to do this because I can do it myself. Just because you can do it yourself and you are capable of doing it yourself doesn't mean that you should or that it is a smart time investment for your business for you to be doing it yourself rather than paying someone to help support you and take that task off of your plate. And this also goes for things within my home. I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I have a house manager that helps me weekly with things like laundry, cooking, light tidying up. If I have a shoot where I'm like having to create food, like having to cook food and then do a shoot, it's a lot. So help with that, support with errands, like, you know, Is it a $180 an hour task for me to go and pick up my dry cleaning? No, it's not. So thinking about my time as this commodity with this hourly rate has been really helpful. Obviously, I have budgets for myself and what I'm spending in terms of outsourced support. And clearly, you need to be thinking about like what works within your business's budget. But once you start doing that kind of math and freeing up your time to work on those $180 hour tasks or whatever it is that your hourly rate is worth to you, then you're really able to like offload things from your plate to focus on those other tasks that only you can do. Here's another really good example of thinking about this and implementing this that happened just recently. So I had some girlfriends in town in Napa. I was so excited to see them. They're my very best friends from home, from like middle school, high school, and we don't get to see each other very often. And especially without kids and husbands, it was just really fun to have a girl's trip. And I had told them that I was going to pick them up from the airport and then also drop them back off at the airport when they leave. I live in Napa. SFO is an hour and a half away, and that's like with moderate traffic, if it's rush hour, it can be even longer. So I picked them up and I wanted to do that. Like I wanted to be the person that picked them up at the airport. I haven't seen them in a year. And then on Monday, when they, it was time for them to go back to SFO, I realized, you know what, it doesn't need to be me that drives them to the airport. And I had had some things happen with my business with, you know, just, some shifts, some changes, some people leaving that made me realize I really need this time to dive back into working on some things, hiring some new talent. And the idea of spending minimum three hours of driving back and forth to SFO was really stressing me out. And so I was like, hey, do you guys mind if I pay for an Uber to take you to the airport? I know I said that I would take you. So I will be the one to pay for an Uber. It was like $110. I really need to work on X, Y, Z. Of course, they were super not offended by that. They totally understood. And it was absolutely worth it for me to pay that $110 to get three hours of my day back to be able to focus on these other high-level things in my business that only I can do, only I can hire and, you know, get make those decisions about new talent for support in my business. So that's just a recent example that comes to mind. Like at first it's like, oh my God, am I really going to spend $110 on this? And then it's like, you know what? Yeah, because that is going to give me those three hours back to work on this thing that needs to be done today that only I can do. Third thing that I have learned is that community is so, so important. Community over competition, 100%. I have been super lucky to make a few really close friends, blogger friends in San Francisco that we are able to share so much with each other, like contacts, you know, how much we're charging, negotiation tips, like so many different things. And it's been essential for the growth of my business. It's how I've realized, oh, you know, years ago I was undercharging. I could charge more, things like that. And on top of that, it's just so nice to be able to vent and bounce ideas off of each other because working for yourself as any kind of business owner can just feel really isolating. So having somebody that I can ping at any time and be like, oh my gosh, XYZ happened and I don't have to explain to them industry lingo or jargon or anything and they're like, oh my gosh, the same thing happened to me. I know exactly how you feel or this is how I managed it or whatever is really, really helpful. So I have some really close blogger friends that I can just count on for that. And then also, I'm going to say it again, some of the women from the mastermind group last year, I mean, honestly, being surrounded by high vibe women that are just like successful AF, know what they want, have a clear vision, support other women. It's A game changer. And I'm so excited because a few of us are getting together in August. We're heading up to Oregon and gonna have our own kind of like little mini retreat. And I just know it's gonna be so energizing and fun to see them. And we have our own Voxer group and we meet virtually every month and just help each other with whatever challenges we're facing within our businesses. And here's something else that I've learned from this experience, and it's going to sound a little bit woo, but I don't know, I've gotten a little more in touch with my woo after being in this mastermind group. And it's certainly only helped with my own personal growth and my growth within my business. But by being really intentional with who you are surrounding yourself with and what kind of energy these people have, you are just raising your own vibe. So by surrounding myself with other women that are successful AF, killing it in their business, like super happy within their personal lives, I am... Learning from them, I am matching that vibration and that energy. I am growing and just absorbing things from them. Versus if you have someone in your life or several people in your life that are negative, that are bringing you down, that are making catty remarks, that don't support your success, that see your success as a threat. All that does is just lower your vibe. It's super, super toxic, and there's just no good that can come from it. So I personally feel the most like energetically aligned when I am surrounding myself with other women that are just crushing it, and they don't feel threatened by my success. I don't feel threatened by their success. If anything, I feel super inspired by their success. And it can be scary to be surrounded by a group of women that are you know, quote unquote, more successful than you. I mean, 100%. Sometimes in the mastermind group last year, I'd look around and I would think like, oh shit, like all the women that I am sitting down with right now for dinner, like they're all making seven figures or, you know, they're all doing XYZ and like, I'm not doing that. Like, holy shit. Like it can be intimidating, but also it was super inspiring because I'm like, great, I'm in this situation where I can learn from them. I can talk to them. I can pick their brains. I can ask them for advice and for their perspective on things within my business. So I just want to put that out there because it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately. And it's absolutely something that I'm very, very intentional with is who I am surrounding myself with. And there have certainly been blogger friends over the years that, you know, they turned out to be using me or competitive or just like straight up not genuinely happy for my success when I was genuinely happy for their success so there's definitely a reciprocity and within those relationships I've gotten better at it over the years because again this is a lesson that I have learned and am still learning but I've gotten a lot better at sensing that and cutting it off it's just not worth it to me and I think in the past I've had relationships where I've been like oh they didn't mean that or they were just having a bad day, like I would make excuses for them. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, "Mm -mm, nope, like when someone shows me who they are, I believe them. And I know what I want around me and what I don't want. And so for this lesson, I have just learned that surrounding yourself with the right people and the right community, it's not only is it good for your soul, it's good for your business. Okay, you know I am all about time-saving hacks, and I have to tell you guys about my latest discovery, Sunbasket Meal Delivery Service. I've been using them for months now, and they are hands down the best meal delivery I have ever tried, and I have tried a lot. (laughs) Their meals are ready to go. You can just microwave them or pop them in the oven. I don't know about you, but if I'm paying for a meal delivery, I'm not trying to get a kit that also requires me to spend time having to cook the meal and chop stuff like some other services no thank you. So it's delivered weekly. If you want, you can always skip. It's ready to go. All of their ingredients are organic. And seriously, the meals have been so delicious. I just had this insane Chile Verde enchilada pie with braised pork last night. Oh my God, I'm drooling just thinking about it. And each week you get to pick your menu and I order six. So that's meals for both me and Omid three nights out of the week. And I usually opt for meals that are under 600 Calories and like I said, everything has been so good. And there's a new menu to choose from every week. We haven't had a repeat menu item yet. And I have a great discount link for you to give them a try. You'll get $90 off your first few deliveries, bringing each meal to 6 bucks a meal. This is a no-brainer, you guys. So just go to whatthefab.com sunbasket and use my referral link there. I mean, you're going to pay that much at least for groceries, but with Sunbasket, you don't even have to cook, so you might as well be efficient about it. Make weeknight dinners a delicious breeze with Sunbasket. Go to whatthefab.com slash sunbasket to get $90 off. Okay, lesson four, the channels that you own are the most important. I know, obviously, as a blogger, as an influencer, Instagram and all the other social media are important for my business. But When it comes down to it, when it comes down to longevity, your website and your email newsletter are the gold standard. I think especially as we are seeing with Instagram just becoming kind of a shit show, honestly, like across the board, everyone's reach is down. Everyone's fed up with the algorithm. People are just getting burnt out from posting freaking reels all the time and like trying to be TikTok and video takes so much more effort. People are just becoming disenchanted with it, not to mention the whole conversation around how social media is like tearing at the fabric of our democracy. So people are just, it's not the same platform that it used to be. And you obviously you don't control, you don't own your content on there there if Instagram were to be shut down tomorrow if you know there's conversations happening again about like TikTok being removed from the app store you have no way of communicating with those followers that you've built if that poof goes away versus your website and your email newsletter you own and no one is going to take away from you and you are able to stay in touch with those engaged readers and for me when i think about longevity and how I want to grow my business and where I want to grow, there is never going to be a time that I regret funneling more targeted traffic to my website and building my email newsletter. So no matter what I do, having that traffic and having those subscribers is going to be a smart business decision. And I also, especially over this last half a year, I would say I have just become really like disenchanted with Instagram. And I know it's a conversation that literally every content creator has with their friends that it's just becoming so frustrating creating content on there. But personally, I just I don't feel aligned with it like I used to. It doesn't bring me joy. And I would absolutely rather spend my time and energy and focus more of that on my website and growing traffic there. And so that's why for really, like, at least the second half of this year, I am very, very focused on my SEO strategy and my course and just working on the things that that are mine, that I truly own, that are my platforms. And that's also just where I see myself and my business getting the most bang for my buck and with Instagram there's so much of that instant gratification without a whole lot of long-term benefits and I know from chatting with a lot of my blogger friends across the board there are just fewer sponsored campaign opportunities with brands on Instagram than last year or you know 2019 before the pandemic things are just changing and I think brands are also starting to realize oh we're not getting as much reach as we used to when we work with influencers because Instagram is suppressing everyone's reach and they just want us to pay for ads. And so why it doesn't make sense for my business for me to invest tons of time and energy into Instagram when I could be taking that time and energy and investing it into following my own SEO practices and strategy that have gotten me this far like maybe I can double my traffic you know maybe I can get it to a million monthly viewers like why wouldn't I take that time and energy and focus on that because that is something that I can continue to build on and again as I'm growing those email subscribers as well that's data that I own and yeah it's definitely something that I have been kind of realizing and learning, especially over the last couple of years. And in particular this year, I'm like, okay, yep, it's all about my own channels. Lesson five is progress over perfection. You are going to continue to evolve your voice, your brand, the industry as a whole, like things are always going to change. And if you are so obsessed with and focused on getting things perfect before you put something out into the world, you're never going to put out content, you're never going to launch, you're never going to, you know, start your blog or whatever it is. And I think when I Think back to when I first started my blog, I could have never guessed what it would evolve into eventually. <laughs> I should really try to find a screenshot of what my blog looked like 10 years ago because obviously it looks so different now. The type of content that I create is so different. And if I had been obsessed with, oh, it has to be perfect before launching, I never would have launched it and I wouldn't have the blog and the business that I have today. And even just a few years ago, I wouldn't have known. That I'd have a high traffic blog that's generating me revenue from the ads I have on there and the affiliate links I have on there or an SEO course like that definitely was not something that was on my radar. So all of it to say, like, it just makes me realize that truly, the sky is the limit for the future as well. Like, I never could have envisioned the things that my business is doing and the way that it's generating revenue right now. So five years from now, like, who's to say I can't have a blog that gets a million visitors a month or two million visitors a month? Certainly six or seven years ago, I absolutely said these words to a a friend of mine who taught me a lot about SEO. I told her like, I just don't think I'll ever have a high traffic blog like that, that can generate that kind of revenue from ads and affiliate links. Like, I just don't think I'll ever get past 10, 15, 20 K mark of monthly page views. And she was like, never say never, like you don't know that. And so, yeah, it just makes me realize that progress over perfection and that consistency is so key. Number six is the importance of diversifying your revenue streams. This was a really big lesson learned for me when the pandemic first hit. So I left my job at Google in January 2019, and I was kind of expecting that I was going to have to really hustle and like I, my plan was I was going to try and have clients that I was consulting for. So, like maybe doing social media management for them, maybe doing some SEO consulting, blogging for them. Like, I was thinking about how can I create these different services and supplement my revenue that way. And then what ended up happening was I was just so busy with sponsored brand campaigns, I really didn't have the time or, frankly, the need to build out this other part of my business. I had a couple of clients that I was consulting for, but it was just sort. Of it wasn't even through me trying to hustle and find these clients, it just naturally occurred through word of mouth and someone asking me, Hey, can you do you know XYZ for me? and I was like, Sure. So then we have the pandemic that happens in you know March 2020 and obviously shit hit the fan. I had $15,000 in brand deals, like sponsored campaigns with brands that overnight were either postponed or just completely canceled. And it was a really scary time. I didn't really have any other revenue streams going on. I was making like a little bit through affiliate links. And that was about it and what it made me realize is that if I had these other revenue streams going on I could have hopefully leaned on them a little bit more to not necessarily make up for that lost income but at least help to supplement and fortunately it was really only a few months where it was like crickets and there were just no brand campaigns coming through during the pandemic and then once summer came around things started to pick back up and get to kind of normal levels but I certainly did not forget that lesson. And so since then, I've launched my presets. I just launched my SEO course. And I've been really focused on my blog traffic. And it's grown A ton from that last year. I think year over year, like if I were to look at the last month, it's almost doubled, maybe a little bit more. And so with that traffic growth, then of course, I'm also seeing a lot of growth with the revenue that I make from ads on my site and affiliate links in those blog posts. And so, what's actually ended up happening that has been a relief for me to see is that even though this year I've definitely gotten less brand campaigns than compared to last year, because like I said, I think brands are just kind of pulling back a little bit, my revenue has remained relatively stable because I have these other revenue streams now. And I started really, you know, working on those half a year, a year ago, and now is when it's really paying off. So, I'm going to continue thinking about how I can. Can grow these diverse revenue streams and not focus on and put all of my eggs in the Instagram sponsored content basket. So that was a really, really important lesson learned for me from 2020 that I am literally never forgetting. Lesson number seven you will not be for everyone. And that is a good thing. I don't get a ton of hate or criticism online, which I'm grateful for, but like sometimes I do. And I'm sure everyone has experienced this before where it's like you can receive 10 compliments, but if you get one negative thing said to you, that's the thing that like controls or or manipulates your emotions, how you're feeling about yourself. It can ruin your day, even though there are 10 other people that gave you some really, really nice compliments. I have definitely learned that no one who is doing more than you is ever going to criticize you like in a really just like baseless negative way constructive criticism is totally different and that's something that I absolutely welcome and listen to especially if it's from someone that I respect or trust we'll get to that in a second but going back to what I was saying no one who is doing more than you is going to criticize you because they're too busy focusing on their own dreams and they know how hard that journey is you're only going to be baselessly criticized by by someone who isn't actually achieving their own goals and is just taking it out on you. And so when I'm thinking about like, do I give any like weight? Do I hold any stock to what this person is saying? I think about something that I think I saw it on Ryan Holiday's Instagram or TikTok. Ryan Holiday is the author of The Daily Stoic. It's a page a day book. I read a page every morning to kind of start my day. And it's just different thoughts, perspectives, like wisdoms from the ancient Stoics. And so one thing he was talking about in this video that really struck me was a teaching from Marcus Aurelius, and he says, you know, when you're receiving a criticism, think about this person. Like, who are they? What are they doing? What are they addicted to? What have they accomplished? And this person whose opinion you are about to let supersede your own evaluation of yourself is actually totally meaningless if you don't respect them, if you don't align with what they're doing, if they haven't accomplished anything. Like if the answer is no to those things, why would you care about their criticism? It's actually a positive thing because, you know, you're going in the opposite direction of what they think you should do. And clearly they're just not aligned with what it is you're trying to do with your life, what you're trying to accomplish. And that really resonated with me because, yeah, I mean, it can hurt when someone gives you a criticism that you don't agree with, that doesn't have anything constructive to it, and you can start to question yourself and what you're doing and your own goals. But if you take a step back and you look at that person's life and if it doesn't align with what you want... And, you know, maybe it's a stranger on the internet. Maybe it's someone you know well. It's kind of hard to know if it's a stranger on the internet if you align with their life. But if it's someone that you know and you can look at and be like, yeah, I don't want that for myself, why are you letting their perspective and their criticism bring you down? Instead, what I'm focused on is sharing things that I know are for a, a specific person. So like when I'm creating these podcast episodes, I'm thinking about someone who is also a business owner, content creator, and they are trying to learn and grow and they want to be pushed a little bit. They find listening to something like an income report really inspiring and motivating rather than something that's going to like make them feel like shit about themselves. And we're going to get into this in future episodes because money mindset is something that I've been working on for myself over the last year or two. And it's also something that I've been Thinking about a lot lately with like conversations with girls from my mastermind and other things. And so we'll dig into that. I want to have some experts on, but it is not up to me if sharing those numbers if somebody takes it a certain type of way. It's not up to me if somebody is inspired by it. It's not up to me if somebody is offended by it. Obviously, my goal is to inspire and educate and be an example of what is possible. But if somebody takes it in a completely opposite way, that's not up to me. And so all I can do is put it out there for somebody, for the right type of person to take it, learn from it, utilize it, run with it, and hope that it attracts those people and just ignore the noise for anyone else. And I can see that this is working because when I look at the people who purchased my course on the first day when it launched, five out of 16 of those new students found me through my podcast episode about my business's financial numbers. So clearly they were inspired by it, they learned something valuable from it, and they wanted to learn something else valuable from me. And so I know that this might ruffle some feathers, like putting those numbers out there, but I also know that it is helping and supporting the right type of people by putting it out there as well. Which kind of ties into lesson eight, which is comparison is absolutely pointless, especially on social media. You have no idea what is going on behind the scenes. So the minute you start comparing yourself to somebody's post on Instagram, like you might as well compare yourself to a made up person because you just don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I, I mean, I can definitely tell you I have seen some things where I'm like, oh, like this person is saying that she and her husband work on her business full-time, but what she's not saying is that she and her husband live at home with her parents. Like, there are a number of things that I've kind of seen over the years where I'm like, oh, you're not getting the full story here so why would I compare myself to not the full picture and just in general even if you do think that you know someone really well and like their business is more successful than yours based on whatever metric you want to use to measure that or they have more Instagram followers than you whatever it is it's a useless metric because (laughs) there's always going to be somebody with more Instagram followers than you there's always going to be somebody whose business makes more money than you literally always like it doesn't matter if you're freaking amy porterfield with a you know 20 million or whatever her revenue is a year business there's always someone that's more quote-unquote successful so like what is the point of comparing yourself and making yourself feel bad if once you get to the next level there's another person to compare yourself to so i have been really actively making an effort not to play the comparison game especially on social media because that is when i was noticing that i would have those thought patterns Of comparison. It's not typically like in real life. I kind of, you know, mentioned this earlier, like when I was surrounded by women who i knew had businesses that were making way more money than me i really didn't like feel like comparing myself to them or feel envious i felt a little intimidated but mostly inspired it's when i'm on social media and i'm scrolling that i was noticing i was starting to have those thought patterns and so i changed a couple of things i first of all i'm just on instagram less i am a consumer of content on instagram far less than i used to be second of all i have set timers for myself so you know, now within the app, you can set daily limits for yourself. So those help remind me like, hey, you've been mindlessly scrolling for 10 minutes, you might want to give it a rest. And I also just recently started doing this, but sometimes I will just delete the Instagram app from my phone for days, maybe even a week at a time. And as a content creator and an influencer, that can be difficult, but there are tools that can help you. You can, if you have, you know, a team member that can post for you, like schedule your posts on Planoly. If you have sponsored content that needs to go up, have your, you know, a support team member, a virtual assistant, content manager that can help you post those things so that you don't have to have the app on your phone all the time. Deleting it from my phone really made me realize how often I reach for or like, you know, swipe over to the app and open the app just because I have a... free minute and, you know, nothing to do. It's like, well, might as well see what's going on on Instagram. And then you're just bombarded with these days, fucked up things from the news. And it's it's just not healthy and it's actually really easy to just reinstall it you don't even have to log back in like your login is still there you will lose any drafts that you've made so just like a mental note for that but it takes a minute to reinstall but having to reinstall it from after deleting it makes me a more conscious user of the app so that's something that I've been doing lately that has been helping and I know it's all kind of ironic because I am an influencer and a content creator and like part of my business is I want you to consume my content but I'm telling you to delete Instagram for periods of a time but you know what this is what has been working for me and my mental health and not playing the comparison game and then also just being aware of it has been helpful because the other day I was looking at somebody that I admire in the space I was looking at her stories she had this incredible launch and it was while I was getting ready to launch my SEO course and I I just felt like oh my gosh like her launch is so much better than mine like she's got this big event all these people posting about it I just started going down this spiral and I realized it acknowledged it and just stopped and you know what it is okay to mute people on Instagram I was like I'm just gonna mute her stories while I finish up my launch because it's making me compare myself it's making me doubt myself and honestly I should just be focused on me and what I'm doing and like good. For for her, she's had a super successful launch, I think. Again, we we never know the exact like numbers and what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe someone's pouring like a shit ton of Facebook ads budget into this launch and that's why it looks so successful. Like you just never know. But anyways, good for her. She's having a super successful launch. I'm going to go focus on mine. So just being aware and being able to pull yourself out of that spiral is also really helpful. So that was number 8 comparison, it's just, there's no point. Lesson number nine is you have to have boundaries and you have to have a clear vision and your own compass for what you want your life to look like and your business and how you can create a business that supports that vision for your life. If I let myself, I could work 24-7. There's just endless tasks and things to do and content to create as a blogger. And I also have to realize at the same time, while I do have so much passion and love for my business, my business is my baby, it also is not something that I want to be all consuming 24-7. And my vision for my life does not include spending all day every day working glued to my phone, glued to my laptop. It doesn't include mindlessly scrolling Instagram and TikTok. Like having clear boundaries for when I'm working and when I'm taking time off and making decisions like I'm going to do a four-day work week and I'm going to stick to that is Has been really important for me as a business owner and as a blogger. Number 10, last but not least, imposter syndrome doesn't just go away when you reach the next level. If anything, it can grow. So I think in the past, I used to think like if I got to a certain level of success, I don't know what that even would be measured by, like my financial numbers that my business brings in, my Instagram follower, I don't know. But if I reached a certain level of success, that I wouldn't have imposter syndrome anymore. And what I've realized from my own personal experience and also with by talking with other female entrepreneurs by listening to podcasts by female entrepreneurs that are quote-unquote way bigger like have you know way bigger businesses than I do oh imposter syndrome doesn't just go away like literally everyone deals with it and one thing that my friend Ellen said in our interview together Ellen from cubicle to ceo was that she has found that as her business has grown and become more successful. So, too, her imposter syndrome has grown. And I was like, oh, yeah, like that has been my experience as well. It's when I'm coasting and cruising along and just kind of like doing the same old thing and I'm in my comfort zone that I'm not experiencing imposter syndrome. But anytime I try to do something new, like for example, this launch with the SEO course, that's when my imposter syndrome kicks in. And it's like, who are you to do this? You're going to fail. It's going to be so embarrassing. You're going to put This out there make zero sales, which like even if I did put it out there and make zero sales, that doesn't mean that it was a waste of time or it couldn't turn into something that makes more sales in the future. Like all of those kind of mental roadblocks are just your brain trying to keep you safe and being like "Uh, abort mission because this is outside of our comfort zone where we're safe and we're happy and warm and cuddly and snuggly and like nothing can go wrong because we're just doing the same shit that we're comfortable with, and so realizing that imposter syndrome is first of all something that everyone deals with and second of all not going away has helped me understand that I just need to figure out how I deal with it and how I can best work under those circumstances basically and kind of like get around it because like it's always going to be there especially when I am trying something new doing something that is new and outside of my comfort zone so that's been an important lesson for me as well all right those are my 10 biggest lessons that I've learned over the last decade of blogging. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that you got value from this episode. If there was one lesson in particular that resonated with you, I would love it if you could snap a screenshot of this podcast episode, share your thoughts on an Instagram story, tag me. I'm at WTFab. I'd love to hear what you thought. And yeah, I really, I can't believe that I've been blogging for 10 years and I'm excited to see what the next 10 years hold and if you enjoyed this episode i would so appreciate if you could rate and review on apple podcasts help me keep this podcast growing it's been really really fun to read people's reviews and get your feedback and thoughts and requests for future episodes as well don't forget to hit subscribe because i will be back next week with my q2 income report episode you don't want to miss that one lots of lessons learned there as well and other than that i'll see you next week